everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What's up, Halo fam? Halo Joe here. Just wanted to thank each and every one of you for checking out this new episode. Make sure to keep it tuned here to Halos in the Infields Baseball Network all season long as we drop content every day. Don't forget to subscribe to the channel. Also make sure to crack the like button and leave a comment. Make sure you also smash that bell icon to be notified every time we drop an episode or go live. Also check us out on our other platforms, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and Twitter. We can also be found on Apple Pod, Podbeam, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Don't forget to leave that five-star review. Thank you again, Halo fam, and with that, let's get this show on the road. All right, welcome everybody to the um, Halos in the Field uh, podcast. Of course, I'm here for Courtney and Todd, giving them the days off like Mike Trout and Anthony Rendon get. Um, <laughs> oh God! Just the way the way things are, you know. It's like I try to explain to Todd and everybody else, like my family, or whatever, old people. They're like, "This is just the, everybody gets a day off sometime." It's like, no, they have to play every damn game. But, um, you know, I'm happy to be here with you, Fernando, and uh, how are you this evening? Doing all right. It's Mother's Day. Uh, Obviously, my mom's still back in California, so uh, unfortunately, just kind of another Sunday for me. So I went to the batting cages. Uh, Luckily, there was nobody there because, you know, Mother's Day. But uh, (laughs) yeah, got a good workout in, got a good sweat in, didn't get to do too much because it was raining. How's the weather out in Cali? Uh, it's like, I guess 760 where you are. 760, yeah. It's perfect. It's overcast. It's like 62. It's great workout weather. The Angels, of course, tonight were on the, um, or today, this morning, excuse me, was on the Peacock app. Peacock app. Yeah. And, you know, I don't have the Peacock app. So I listened to it while working out, came home eight, uh, worked out again, you know, balled out. That was pretty cool. I had a really good day today. Um James you know, having some tour days, huh? There you go. I feel good. I feel good. Good. Uh, good, man. I'm going to go right brother. to sleep, though. I'm going to go right to sleep. <laughs> um, you know, Fernando, I almost called you a Lone Star Halo, but... um, That's fine. That works. I got to find tickets somewhere. Okay. Um, Some people want to go down to a Padre game in the next week for country weekend. You know, I got to be there for country weekend, of course. And then the of next week, you got to be rocking your cowboy boots, huh? <laughs> I, I don't have any. Uh, and then it's beach weekend as well the next weekend. I got to get my bucket hat on the 26th for the Angel game. So I'm wondering, where would I get tickets for Nando? You tell me. Well, here's a silly question, James. Do you like hidden fees? No, sir. You don't like hidden fees. Well, I got the spot for you. Seven one four tickets. Seven one four tickets. 
714 tickets you can call today and go tonight and i'm as positive as magic johnson that you're gonna have a great experience yeah 714 tickets definitely check that out guys no hidden fees like the other guys use the code hitty that's h-i-t-i for 10 percent off at checkout just put in the promo box and that's all you need to be saving some money and not only are you saving money but you're also getting five percent back for future purchases what can be better than that james anything anything better Maybe a big A burger. Man, we gotta go. We gotta get Kathy's cookies. I gotta get my fat ass out there and get some cookies. Get in that big line for the for the cookies as well. In the upcoming Tell you what, on the twenty eighth, you and I, when I when we're all there together, we'll go get some Kathy's cookies. Yeah, with a cookie monster. <laughs> no limit, man. I'm gonna get a bucket for myself. Actually, funny story before we get into the baseball talk. So during COVID, like beginning of COVID, very, very early, you know, when restaurants were still shut down, Kathy's Cookies, obviously a trailer, you know, they drive around. So they were stationed in Corona and I was living in Corona Hills at the time. And they had this little drive up where you pull up, you order what you're going to get and they bring you your cookies. I ordered the bucket, which uh, I'm sure you've had the bucket before. What is that? Probably like 30 cookies. I've never had it, so I don't know. You've never had Kathy's cookies, period, or you never no, had the bucket? Never, ever, 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 ever. Ah, okay, yeah, we're going to change that for sure. Well, anyway, they give you, like, a white bucket. I'd say there's roughly about 30 cookies in there. And, uh, you know, I, I ate about 20 of those cookies in one sitting. Ooh. James, I was up all night puking. <laughs> Not because Ooh. the cookies were bad, but because, I mean, anytime you eat 20 cookies, I had no self-control. This was the beginning of the pandemic. We were locked in our houses. I, I had nothing else to do. <laughs> it's amazing that every time i come on a show it ends up being the food network anyway uh let's get to what oh, it's was... because of your chair segments man you're over here reviewing all kinds of yummy food all the time or and not yummy food at the same time <laughs> and look out for that on youtube check out the chair with james small little promotion um let's get into the series that was here on the weekend with the guardians hosting the angels um, Tyler Anderson took the mound against Logan Allen, the former uh, Padre hand, farmhand. Uh, the Angels ended up winning five to four. Tyler Anderson going six innings, six hits. He did give up three on runs, three walks, and one strikeout. It could have been, you know, way worse and has been for Tyler Anderson. Uh, Matt Moore came in, did okay, and Estevez was able to get his ninth save. Uh, one current one theme in this series was Josh Naylor hitting a home run, uh, and he hit uh, one in, off of Moore in the eighth inning of this game. You know, it was again five four victory, but um, uh, there, it, it was good to see the Angels. You know, have some uh, magic in the ninth inning, scoring two off of the best closer stat wise in the league. When you think about it, uh, Emmanuel Clase. He's really good, but uh, the Angels were able to get after him. So uh, what did you think about that first game of this series with uh, Cleveland? So uh, I don't know if you got to watch the post-game show that night. I don't know. Some days you do, some days you can't because of work. Oh, yes, I did. I caught the the, uh, replay of it. Oh, at the very end. Yeah, you're right. You jumped in, right? Yeah. Yeah, because I was watching the entire post game. So Todd got grilled, as, uh, as did I, because I called in. And we were just getting hammered, uh, really, the entire network, because we took the stance of, hey, this was a win. Great. But it wasn't a clean win. Now, 
At the end of the day, all that matters is the W. They all look the same in the win column. They're all beautiful. But that doesn't change the fact that there's such thing as ugly wins. That doesn't change the fact that it's possible to win the game, but not take the momentum out of it. Cleveland played the better game. And if you think that I'm wrong, you are mistaken. The I don't even think the Angels stole this game. I think Cleveland gave it away. Emmanuel Classe, as you said, is one of baseball's best closers. That 105-mile-an-hour cutter is nasty. That is the last pitch on earth I want to be in a batter's box and face. 105 cutter coming in at your hands if you're like a righty or a lefty. Guy's crazy. But, um, yeah, the fact of the matter is um, it was a good game by the bullpen. Matt Moore did a pretty decent job. I understand he did give up the home run. He left one hanging against Naylor, and Naylor is a, is a great hitter. I know he struggled, and I'm sure we'll talk about that th throughout the rest of the series. But uh, you probably watched Naylor play in San Diego during his short time there. You know, this kid's always had potential. He had potential with the Padres, and now he's showing what he's capable of in terms of being a power hitter with Cleveland. And man, oh man, he murdered us. Let me ask you, James, do you think Josh Naylor is officially an Angels killer after this series? Can we... Hmm. We'll have to see what he does, you know, for the home series. Let's just say that. Um, and because it has to be consistent, you know, it has to be all the time. It has to be like Napoli. It's got to be like Matt Olson, Matt Chapman, Mark Canna. It's got to be like it's got to be consistently. But it, it he does get uh, knocked some points because he doesn't play in the division. Because it always seems like a division of opponent uh, owns the Angels, but he does. He really does when you think about it. Uh, you mentioned more about Naylor real quick. I, I remember watching him a couple of years in the Lake Elsinore Storm system up there in the Padre. Uh, single A affiliate and I would always ask my friend I was like dude I heard his name and he's he's all over all of the programs you know of Lake Elsinore Storm and I noticed I went a couple years in a row and I noticed why is he still here he had some setbacks or whatnot and uh, then he found his way finally to the major leagues uh, as Phil Nevin mentioned he's a adrenaline junkie uh, I think we'll get to that <laughs> later but it seems like um he, pers he personifies that, you know, he's the Mr. Animal from uh, like Sesame, I think it's Sesame Street, where he's just crazy all the time, yelling. The Muppets, the Muppets is what you're Muppets. thinking about. All my child, my childhood innocence is gone. So I don't remember anything really about there all that. <laughs> so James is becoming too much of an adult. His inner child has left. He needs to go back to Disneyland or something. Dark as this That's right. Oh, so no. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's this dark, but uh, man, I, I've um, I've I'm always worried about him in the pitching to him, and you saw this was the issue here. Now, really, I'm shocked by Matt Moore. I know some fans are skeptical of getting him because you know he's what 33. He's maybe at the back of end of his career. He's had you know what one or two Tommy John surgeries, many setbacks, many teams he's been on. But it's great to see. I, I don't think we expected this from Matt Moore. What's your opinion on Matt Moore? Uh, almost exactly what you said. I mean, I didn't. I wasn't super thrilled that we signed him for the price that we did. Well, I think he's in the eight million dollar ballpark, so it's not 
incredibly high. You know, he's a 33-year-old guy. He's been around the league. He made his debut in 2011, so he's obviously been there, done that. And the thing that I do like about him is that he's he's done a little bit of everything. He was a starter, and now he's a reliever. And he really seems to have come into his own uh, ever since last year, going to Texas, becoming a reliever. He had a 1.95 ERA, and currently he's at a 1.35 ERA through 20 innings. He only pitched 74 innings last year with Texas. So the only thing that I'm a little concerned about is that he is already at 20 innings pitched. You know, he's on pace to, you know, greatly surpass 74 innings. Eventually, there will have to be some kind of stop because he is getting, you know, a little older. 33 is at least the age where your fastball is not quite there. Now, the good news for him is that he has great breaking stuff. Great breaking Mm -hmm. stuff. Uh, And as of right now, it's worked. The defense hasn't let him personally down too much. It's not like Patrick Sandoval, where his defense lets him down all the time, or Reed Detmers even. But um, I I like what I've seen a lot out of Matt Moore. He's one of the only pitchers right now who I feel comfortable with when they come out of the bullpen. Estevez was on that list before today, but we'll get there. What what about you with Matt Moore? Where you? You know, he's really shocked me. I I thought he would just. evaporate like everyone else in the bullpen almost you know that it's just trying to hold on to a spot honestly but uh seeing his numbers and it it showed in the Cardinals series where you know we needed someone to step up in those seventh or eighth innings and he really did so um like you mentioned his knuckle curveball is really good I really like seeing that uh it's really amazing um, and I, I just hope for more uh, for him going forward. Uh, let's. Do uh, you have anything more on uh, Fridays? Uh, yeah. Win? One thing. One thing is so. Yeah, the Angels went five to four. They got more hits than the Guardians did. Uh, they did not get a single home run, which you know in today's baseball is impressive if you get a win without a single home run. And both teams left 11 runners left on base. I think the biggest difference here is the fact that the Guardians got two errors. Yeah. But, um, yeah. That's what I, I have on that game. Uh, next game, and this one was just demoralizing, let's just say. It started <laughs> to off, To say well. the least. Yeah. Um, there's going to be a lot of things I say that's going to be, well, duh. Um, let's start off in the first inning as – uh, we should. Uh, Mickey Moniak led off with a home run on his birthday, 25 years old, happy belated, and uh, he homered to right field, which shows you he has a lot of potential. He's definitely a project. Um, you know, Philadelphia gave up on him, but, um, you know, and he did so well come out of spring training. If you remember, I think they just went with Brett Phillips because they wanted experience, they wanted speed coming off the bench. And that's why um, Moniak didn't get the um, start uh, on the team coming out of there. Uh, Renfro had Maybe, maybe they goal. also knew that Moniak wasn't going to be good at distributing the Komodo hat. And they're like, well, this is going to be Brett <laughs> Phillips' job. That's your boy. That that's We, we make sure we, uh, we let you know how the exchanging of the – Hat goes, yes. Uh, show Shohei Otani doubled, everything looked good. It was two nothing. Rendon had a scoring fly ball to make it three nothing. You know, everything looked really good. Um, then the bottom of six came up Rosario, which I think he had what 
two the first two games he had three hits uh each so he he had a single there uh Renjifo made it four to two uh and you thought okay we're good uh Neto even homered to make it uh six to two yeah. and you thought man we're good we're good uh Neto so hit his second home run and then oh boy here came the problems Ramirez had a single yeah. to make it six three Josh Bell had a single to make it six four. So you thought, okay, what's going on? Let's bring in Tapera. Yikes. Uh, Josh Naylor homered a three we on shot, make it uh seven to six. And then just to add some uh salt to the wound, uh, Andres Jimenez hit a three run or uh, a solo shot to make it eight six. And that was basically ball game. Uh I'm like I'm and I mentioned it in the post game show with Todd. I was like, I am so done with Tapera. And I think that showed um, that game. So he got the loss. Morgan got the win. Stefan got the save. Um, I was kind of shocked the Guardians didn't bring in, uh, oh, what's that dude's name? The number 99, um, Kerenik. I forgot his name, but um, or how to say it. But usually he's one guy that you can bring in and he could do well. But, um, what are your thoughts on the uh, blowing game by the Angels on Saturday? So this game, I didn't get to watch live. I watched the highlights. Um, the Wi-Fi was out of my house. So I was like, well, I'm going to go to the Frisco Rough Riders game, you know, the double-A team for the Rangers, because I hadn't gone out there. So I was following along on my phone. Uh, I was also watching the XFL game on my phone while I was at the baseball game. You know, why not do both? But um, I, I watched the highlights, and uh, man, oh, man – you can tell that this was a bad game because when somebody does such a bad job pitching that they get DFA'd the next day, that tells mm -hmm. you everything you need to know. The team was willing to eat a couple million dollars left on Ryan Tapera. Now, you know, that might be impressive, but we're also talking about a GM in Perry Manazin who's eaten millions and millions of dollars on Justin Upton and Albert Pujols. So Tapera, at the end of the day, is nowhere near the loss that those guys were financially. The biggest difference is the fact that this was a Perry signing. Ryan Tapera and Aaron Loop, who's still in the organization, but he's injured currently, were both Perry Manazian signings. Now, we were all excited when those two guys were brought on. I, I'm included because at the end of the day, if you look at the list of available free agent pitchers uh, after the 2021 season going into 2022, out of the top five, Rysel Iglesias, was on there we re-signed him he was the best closer available that year uh yeah and then um we got uh, Tapera, who you know was a very very established pitcher you know he played with the cubs uh he played with a bunch of teams i think he played with the white Sox. yeah yeah um and, and then we had uh aaron loop who was just coming off of an amazing year with the mets he was the best lefty on the market and now a year and a half later, we're sitting here. Ryan Tapera is now designated for assignment. We'll see what's going to happen with him. I doubt anybody is going to trade for him. And I doubt anybody's going to pick him up on waivers because of the remaining contract. They'll probably let him pass waivers, and then he'll probably sign for a league minimum contract. Here's the thing. Ryan Tapera is an established major leaguer. Somebody is going to give him an opportunity. 
right? And chances are, wherever he goes, he's going to succeed, right? I mean, that's the angel way. Look mm-hmm. what happened with Rysel Iglesias. Everybody gave up on him after last year. He went to pitch the eighth inning for the Braves and had a great rest of his season. You know, it's Ryan Sapera has been around since 2015. You know, Toronto, Chicago, and the Angels. It's, it seems like he's been around since like 2011, but um, yeah, no, 2015. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. So yeah, he's DFA'd. I I know. Um, and you guys were mentioning about DFA's about Suarez. You know, last the the podcast before, I should say. And you're just thinking someone would take a flyer on him, and then with Tapera, you would think you know someone that is a contender that let's say spend a lot of money on offense. Needs a veteran uh, reliever. Well, they can go um, and find, you know, Tapera. Um, but man, th- those pitches were served on the platter. Honestly, it was really bad. Uh, let's so move right on. Tapera's to... owed seven million this year. Uh, so I, I'm. I just looked it up. Yeah, he's owed seven million this year. Obviously, the Angels have already paid his salary for about a month. So we're probably talking like what, maybe just over six still owed to him. 6.2 6.3 we're somewhere in that ballpark um but the fact of the matter is i don't think anyone's going to take a flyer in him for that price but once he clears waivers and he's able to sign like a league minimum contract i think somebody takes him i guess that's what i meant um let's move on to sunday so sunday sunday's game of course peacock 8 30 and I, I know I heard Mark Langston talking about, well, these players aren't used to these uh, early starts. And even the Cleveland players aren't used to the early starts because it was 1130. You have to get there, what, three or four hours before if you have not. If, well, if you have one batting practice, I, I guess you can get there earlier. Um, but really, this wasn't a game of a lot of scoring. Uh, there was a fielding error that made uh, Cleveland go up one nothing in the bottom of the second. In the top of the eighth, there was a uh, force out, but a uh, run score to make it 1-1. And then guess who? Josh Naylor hit his uh, sixth home run of the season for himself in right field. Um, Two-run shot to make it 4-1. to Otani uh, did single in Neto. Uh, to make it four to two, and then Taylor Ward reached on a fielder's choice out. Uh, Moniac scored. Shohei went to uh, to third on that, uh, and then what was this game? He was, yeah, he was uh, tagged out there where he shouldn't have been going. Honestly, um, you know, it's one of those mistakes that base runners make. But I see it a lot now, Fernando. I, I watch, you know, MLB.tv. I watch a fair amount of games. And I just notice more players are taking that chance when the ball's hit to the left side and they wait and then they go. Um, and the first baseman, after catching the out, will throw throw the, uh, the runner out. And it's just like these fundamental things that the Angels really don't do well. Like they lead the league in errors, I believe. So the defense isn't there, the offense really isn't there, and then the pitching is not there. Anyway, they lose a series two to one or one to two. Uh, the Guardians win four to three. They go to nineteen and twenty-one. The Angels go to twenty-one and twenty. They are uh, falling. 
uh, they're in third place. So what did you think about the series finale uh, here with the uh, Guardians? Oh, boy. I don't know if you heard my phone call earlier, but, man, oh, man, did I go absolutely haywire. Haywire. I was going to say apeshit. But uh, either way, I went both during the phone call. So here's where I am on it. So far, this has been a frustrating season in the sense of, like, the 20 losses we've had, a lot of those could have been avoided. But this win in particular really grind my gears. And the reason for that is Patrick Sandoval pitched an absolute gem. There is nothing more you can ask out of your pitcher. And for any of you guys who might not have seen the game, 7.2 innings pitched, five hits, three runs, uh, two of them earned, uh, but it was because of the home run and the inherited runners there, uh, one walk and five strikeouts. And then Estevez came in and just gave up that home run to Naylor. Left a cookie, an absolute cookie on a tee for Josh Naylor, who was a fastball hitter up and into the zone, and he took advantage of it. But Patrick Sandoval absolutely is the most bad luck pitcher out there. The guy barely has a double-digit amount of wins in his career, and his career ERA is like in the threes, low threes at that. But what really stands out to me is the fundamental mistakes that this team is making and continues to make. Like you said, the errors are a problem. You know what? I understand good hitting exists in the league. This is the most talented crop of baseball players we've ever seen in our life. Is that true, James? I'd say so. Yeah, because, you know, we know so much more about the human body now, athletic abilities. Obviously, these players are able to take care of their bodies on and off the field a lot more than ever before. So naturally, these guys are gifted. So I understand good hitting exists on every team. It doesn't matter if you're the Marlins, the Pirates, the Guardians, you know, all the way to the top teams, all the way down to the bottom teams, everything else in the middle. Every team now has good players. Maybe not great players in every case, but everyone has good players now. Maybe besides Oakland. But, you know, those guys can still kick our ass, right? These guys are still MLB players. The, the Where I'm getting at here is that I understand the talent is greater than we've ever seen before, but that... With that being said, the margin for error is so small now. You can't be making little fundamental mistakes. And in this game, what really comes out was the base running. Brandon Drury getting tagged out by lazily not going back to first base is unacceptable. Zero percent. If that's me, if I'm calling the shots, you're benched. It's over. What are you doing? You know what? I understand it probably slipped his mind. And I understand mistakes can be made. But in a in a loss like today, that's a critical base runner. That's basic fundamentals. We're taught at Little League, and I'm sure you played Little League. If you're running through first base, you curl towards you know t- towards the dugout, right? You you don't curl out towards the field. The second you take a single step towards second base, or really in any direction left of the chalk line you are considered an active runner going to second base. You need to get back to first immediately or run to second. No ifs, ands, or buts. And he lazily walked over to first base, got tagged out by the catcher of all people. The catcher. Unacceptable. Not okay. Under any circumstance. Under the other thing, like you alluded to. Uh You know what that reminds me of, Fernando? Last year, remember Taylor Ward and his gaffe with uh, being tagged out by Maldonado? I was so yeah. pissed after that play. I was like, 
no, these these assholes ain't even. They're not even. They're not even focused. Like they're not. They're just. Oh, I'm gonna try to catch the ball. Two way starting over here, and then he, he gets yeah. tagged out. Oh, that was. Oh my god, I want to go off. But um, and then Thice had an issue late. I think it was in the eighth inning. I want to say where he didn't go yep, halfway yep. on the fly ball down the right field line. I remember Joe Adele had a thing like that. When uh, Phil Nevin took over, he gave him a little talking to in the dugout about being halfway between second and third. He was stuck at second waiting for a fly ball to either drop or be caught. And it reminded me of the Matt Thigh situation today, where again, he wasn't halfway, and then he was thrown out at second. So these little things, and you mentioned the errors, and then you mentioned the players. I want to get your thought on this. Uh-huh. Um Yes, they are. They are faster. They are stronger. They have the the plethora of great, you know, technology and all the rest and recuperation, all that stuff. Is it just like, is it a concentration thing with these errors? Is it Rendon just being too lackadaisical with his throwing errors? What do you think it is why the Angels have all these uh, errors this season? I, I think it's a combination of things. I, I think the team isn't exactly taking their fundamentals as seriously as they could. And for anybody who's going to get mad at me for saying that, prove me wrong. It shows. Like you said, Shohei Otani getting thrown out, going to third base because he didn't wait before the throw was made, before he decided to run. That's just bad base running. Shohei Otani's better than that. This guy's one of the most talented players in the league. And the guy's fast enough that the second that ball comes out of his hand, then you run a third base, you're probably safe by a mile. But the Mm -hmm. fact is he didn't, he was a dead duck out there. Um, You know, the airs uh, also something else that's not acceptable. I mean, locked on angels always jokes, you know, I want to see the bill of your hat. I want you to go all the way down, head down, look it into your glove and then make the throw. You know, it's just these small fundamental mistakes that we all learned in little league just aren't being followed through. You know, if we didn't go back to the days where the outfielders catch the ball with two hands, you know, then great. Steve Finley. Steve Finley. (laughs) There you go. I always remember that. I always learned that. I was like, I'm going to be Steve Finley every time. And boom. I was was teaching little Walter that uh, when I was uh, hanging out with uh, Todd, I was like, yo, catch the ball like this. You know, don't let it fall out and be ready to throw and all that. So you, I'm the baseball player who catches it with one hand. That's me. Oh. <laughs> uh, Probably why so I never, I, out of my three major league tryouts, I never made it. <laughs> I, I wish I could have got anything that far. Um, so the advice out there for little leaguers, keep your head down the whole game. I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, the Angels lose two out of three there. The reverse Rally Chris special. Um, the press Rally Chris special. <laughs> yeah, we haven't heard from him. We haven't, like, I, I think we, we got to him. I said, you know. To no, be it's Lakers season, player. James. Oh, It's Lakers season. He cares about the Lakers right now. You know where to get your tickets for the conference finals, right? Uh, we're, rally, we're Rally Chris. Seat <laughs> Geek, if you want to pay a bunch of fees. Or you can go to 714 Tickets and get the best price out there with no hidden fees. And you can use the code HIDI at checkout, save 10% and get 5% back for future purchases. I wish I could say it that fast. Okay, so quickly, I guess we could preview the 
four-game series with the Baltimore Orioles. The Orioles, I believe they took two out of three from Pittsburgh. They did lose today for nothing. They did get shut out. Um, I, I did watch that series because, or that game today, because I felt like that had more importance. I have to do my dil- due diligence and watch the uh, Orioles. Uh, three games, 335, and then the... Thursday game is a morning game. I should be on the post or pregame for that. But uh, the first game on uh, May the 15th, uh, the Orioles, by the way, they're what? Uh, second place in the East, 26 and 14. Uh, Otani is going for the Angels. He's 4 and 1 with a 2.74 ERA. And then uh, Grayson Rodriguez was called up this year uh, for the Orioles. He is 2 and 0 with the 508 ERA. I always say this a lot in the pregame show, but whenever someone is young coming up, you want to get to him right away and, and frustrate him and fluster him. But, um, you know, not seeing the pitcher stuff for, you know, never seeing this stuff that can be hard. But now, and this goes back to what Todd always says about the um, tablets and whatnot. Like hopefully they're watching film on uh, Rodriguez Hopefully they're seeing what he can do. Otani has been better, you know, uh, for a while there. He was walking a lot of people and uh, giving up runs. But how do you think Otani will fare for that Monday game? Well, uh, Otani struggled, I believe, his last time in Baltimore last season. Um, His last couple starts haven't been as dominant as when the season first started. So this is going to be a test for him. This Orioles team is a lot better than people anticipated. I think a lot of people thought that they'd be competing for a playoff spot. And I understand we're only in May, so obviously I use that term loosely. Um, But last year, they almost made it to the playoffs, and they weren't supposed to be even close to that. They're supposed to be one of the worst teams in baseball, and they surprised the world. And now they continue to stay hot. Grayson Rodriguez is one of the league's uh, top prospects. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that doesn't mean too much. I mean, we see what happened with Joe Adele. He was, a you know, a, a top five prospect. I think it was like number seven. He was pretty high up there, highly regarded. And, you know, Joe Adele just hasn't been able to put it together. Is Grayson Rodriguez going to be that guy? There's no way to know. But he's getting his shot right now. And, you know, anytime you get one of these young guys, like you said, you don't exactly know what to expect. You can get the guy who has a 5.08 ERA going into the game, or this guy can throw a no-hitter. You know, mm-hmm. that's the thing with young pitchers. Look at Reed Detmers. You know, we caught him on a good day. He got a no-hitter. Young guy, pretty inexperienced against him. The batters didn't know what to expect against him. And sometimes the young guys uh, do something great. But uh, Shomi Otani has a real test here. He needs to get the winning mentality back in that clubhouse because the Angels are now only one game over 500. It's a team that is in a rut right now. Yeah, did they win? Uh, one game against the Guardians, sure, but it was a lucky win. They had, oh, essentially three bad games. So now Otani's got to uh, be the stopper here. Okay, so the second game of that four-game series, the Angels will throw out Chase Silseth. He's in place, of course, of Jose Suarez, who is out with the arm issue or elbow issue, whatever it may have been. Silseth with the three. Uh, two four ERA and some long relief uh, stints. Let's just say, Orioles are throwing out Dean Kremer. I had to look him up. Uh, he's four and one this year, four nine seven ERA. He started eight games. He was drafted in twenty sixteen by LA. 
they go to uh, uh, UNLV. He's been there since 2020 um, uh, with the Orioles, let's say. Uh, I'm hoping Silseth. I, I remember his first start ever last year. It was in Oakland, and he fared so well. I think most of that, though, was because Oakland didn't have a lot of talent. Let's just say that. Uh, quickly, before you, before I go to how do you think Silseth will do, Orioles, I really love their team. And I sound, I sound weird, but wearing, you know, this shirt and all this stuff around me. But, dude, the way they get on base, the way they get over and in, I, I just love that. You get speed at the top of the lineup with Cedric Mullins, who just hit for a cycle, by the way. So that shows you how he's been as of late. Jorge Mateo at the bottom of the lineup is really good. You throw in uh, Mountcastle, Rochman. They have all these great young players up and coming. And then um, Anthony uh, Sandander. Sandander. I keep getting that name wrong. I think he's the most underrated player in the league. I really do. And maybe his stats will back me up on that. Santander. I, I keep getting that name wrong. But, dude, I, I think he's the most underrated player. I, I really enjoy watching him hit, except when it's against the Angels, of course. But um, this, <laughs> I, I really think he's awesome. And the whole lineup, when you think about it, they, they just have a good core of people. So how do you think uh, Seth will fare? Uh, this will be, I think, his first start for the Angels this season. Uh, hopefully well, uh, real quick to piggyback off of what you said, I- I'm right there with you. It's really hard to dislike this Orioles team. It's a young organization who's done it the right way. They're doing it the right way. They're building from within. You know, we've said so many times on this network, this is such a different era of baseball. The best way to be successful for a sustained period of time nowadays is to build a winner from within. You know, the old school methods that the Yankees used to have of buying talent and just plugging them together doesn't work anymore. It's not sustainable, but the Orioles have built from within. And most of those guys you name, you know, Santander, hell, DJ Stewart, um, you know, uh, Adley Rutzman. uh, All of these guys are good, young, controllable, cheap pieces that are going to contend for years to come in Baltimore. This team is going to be good for a long time. But uh, Chase Silseth, um, He's pitched really well in AAA and AA coming up this year. Uh, He looked comfortable when he first came up, and I'm excited to see what he's able to do on the mound. As far as what we're going to see out of him, I have no idea. He was a wild card last year when he did pitch. I'm hoping he is able to carry that hot success he's had to start this year and hopefully he can get his first win. But uh, Dean Kramer is 4-1, and so obviously he's not exactly a pushover either, regardless of what the ERA says. All right, so the next game, it would be uh, Griffin Canning. And it feels like with Griffin Canning starting, you get a mixed bag of of results, honestly. Uh, You know, he fields well and whatever that may bring. He's 2-1 and this year. It feels like he's had some, well, not as much as Sandoval, but some hard luck or no decisions or losses, or one loss, I should say. ZRA is pretty high at 6-3-8. Uh, Bradish will be going for Baltimore. I gotta look this dude up. Uh, he's one and one with the four, five, uh, four, five, uh, da, da, six ERA. He started six games. Um, he's not really a strikeout pitcher. The Angels had him, uh, 2018. They drafted him in the fourth round. So, uh, maybe he has a little motivation going against 
the uh, team that drafted him. I can always see that happening. But uh, was Griffin he part Kenny, of the Jose Iglesias trade? That could be a possibility because that would make sense. I'm looking up while you talk. Because so the yeah, other Griffin guy uh, was part of the Machado trade. I see. Uh, Griffin Canning, you know, again, six star coming in. Uh, we're hoping, you know, he can do better things. We know he's not going to be what we thought he was going to be a long time ago, having all those setbacks and whatever the case was. His last start against Houston, he did get the loss. He did give up five runs. That's against a very tough lineup. I be- Yeah, that was on that day game. You know, the ball flies out. But um, how do you think Griffin Canning will fare, and how do you think he's done so far this season? Uh, real quick before I answer that, Kyle Bradish was part of the uh, Dylan Bundy trade. Uh, wow. But, uh, yeah, so Griffin Canning uh, has given up 13 earned runs in his last three starts combined between Oakland, Seattle, or sorry, St. Louis and Houston. Like you said, Houston, good team. St. Louis, five runs, not so much. Oakland, three runs, not horrible. He get, he went five innings. You would have liked to see him maybe go one more. But um, I don't know, man. I Like you said, Griffin Canning is a mixed bag. You don't know what we're going to get out of him. Um, I don't know. I think, yeah, I'm not excited to see how that game goes. That's what I'm not confident about at the moment. To, I'll be honest with you, none of the games, maybe the Otani game, I feel confident about. And then the uh, fourth and final game, it will be on MLB Network at 9.30 a.m. So all you risers, early risers out here at 9.30, and if you you have an off day or something or unemployed, uh, you'll be able to watch at work, too. Um, Tyler Anderson is going uh, for the Angels, uh, 1-0 record, 5.26 ERA. Tyler Anderson, um, this year it seems like, you know, he got the one start in Oakland, and then ever since then, he hasn't fared well. He had maybe one good start between that, but uh, his walks are an issue, giving up the home runs, especially at home. And maybe it's the lineups he's faced, but uh, Tyler Anderson, he, he's he got to do so much better. And then for the uh, Orioles, they're throwing out uh, Tyler Wells. They have a bunch of young players, so this will be a learning experience for all of us, let's just say. Uh, he did go to Cal State San Bernardino. I don't know the mascot, but he's 3-1 this year, a 2-6-80 RA. This will be his uh, eighth game started, uh, seventh – or um, uh, yeah, seventh game, eighth game start, eighth overall game. Uh, he's striking out a couple of people here, 39. Um, excuse me. His last start was against the Pirates on the uh, on Saturday. He got the win, so he went seven innings, one hit, two walks, and eight strikeouts. So he'll be uh, tough to hit on, I would think. So uh, I know you guys mentioned it in the last podcast, but about Tyler Anderson, um, we're hoping that he doesn't – well, he's already become sort of a, a bust in a way. And I know it's we're only in May, but he hasn't shown that stuff that, hey, it was validated that, you know, that the Angels signed him for a three-year deal. And he was supposed to be one of those uh, pillar starters along with Sandoval, along with Otani, but it just hasn't and come Denver's. through. And, and Denver's too, yeah. He hasn't really been uh, good as of late. You know, he had some flashes and then he's really struggled. 
But uh, yeah, looking at uh, uh, the last start for Tyler Anderson in Cleveland on uh, Friday, he, he went six innings, gave up six hits, but three in runs and the three walks. So it's always a mixed bag with him as well, but only got one strikeout too. So maybe that's the lineup. What do you think Tyler Anderson needs to do to, to be better, honestly? Uh, well, for starters, let me just say San Bernardino is the Coyotes. So for anybody who's screaming at their in their car, like, hey, James, it's the Coyotes. James, it's the Coyotes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's the, and I think their mascot's named Cody the Coyote. Anyway, but Tyler Anderson, we need to see some consistency out of him. Now, the, the good thing about signing Tyler Anderson, yeah, it's a three-year deal. As of right now, that seems like a lifetime contract with the way he's pitching. seems like a burden. But the good news is we got him for $13.3 million. Not that that's cheap. That's expensive. But look at what the other pitchers signed for this offseason. I don't need Tyler Anderson to be a guy who has a one-point-something ERA or even a two-point-something ERA. 5.26 is a little too high for the amount you're getting paid, for the amount of experience you have. He needs to be somewhere in the low fours. Give me mm -hmm. about 150 to 175 innings pitch by the end of the year. If you can get me to that point, okay. You know, get me 8 to 12 wins. And that's me being generous. For some guy getting paid $13.3 million, we should be talking double digits. But if I can get 8 to 12 wins out of him, I'm going to be happy. But Tyler Anderson needs to figure it out. Unfortunately, he's going to have to figure it out during a day game in a small ballpark. I understand they expanded left field. So it's a little bigger. But the AL East, you're essentially playing in shoeboxes. Who are we kidding? So he's got to have a tough task ahead of him against a lot of young, hungry hitters on a mm. team that's winning. So it's going to be a tall order. Honestly, James, I'm not feeling very good. I predicted a two out of three against the Guardians. I'm predicting a one out of four here. I think Otani gets us our lone win, and I think the rest of the time, man, maybe we hang in there, but I don't see us winning a lot of games against the Orioles. They're a good team. Quickly, before I, I uh, pass the rock to you with the next two topics about the rosters and the managerial records, um, I, I, my prediction, uh, I'm hoping for one out of four. Something tells me that. Don't say a sweep, gonna... James. Don't say a sweep, James. Just like last season, I, I think it's going to be a clean sweep by the Baltimore Orioles. I might be the only person on this network that sees the negative all the time. Uh, no, Courtney does. I... <laughs> too. Yeah, sure. Um, but I can't see them winning. I, I just I'm hoping Otani's you know starts well enough and then he helps himself. That would be awesome. You know, maybe some fans are there for Mike Trout that are coming down from Jersey, bro. So um hopefully that'll be the case and they get one win. But for me, you know, hopefully it's a jinx. I'll say a, a clean sweep by Baltimore. I just think they do everything the Angels don't do, which is still bases, run correctly run fast, run hard, and score. <laughs> it's just a total opposite of what they, the Angels uh, sh should be, honestly. So, Fernando, I'll, I'll give yeah. it to you. I know you wanted to uh, compare the 2014 Angels to this ball club this season. And as I'm looking at the roster of 2014, 
I only noticed there's one player left from this uh, current roster in 2023, and that's Mike Trout. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so what we were talking about on the post game show was the fact that we can all cohesively agree as Angels fans, this year's roster on paper is probably the best, most talented roster we've seen in about 10 years, right? Fair to assume? Mm. Yeah. I mean, I like that 2015 roster, and I felt like they had a chance to get there. But, yeah, I mean, excuse me, the the moves that Perry made, it felt like, okay, we got a starter. We got maybe a closer with Estevez. We got Renfro via trade and Rochelle the same thing. And then – um you know, made some other signings that may fare well. So uh, the hope is there at least that maybe you have a complete roster of, you know, some veteran players mixed in with some young players, as you call it Neto and what he can do and what he's shown so far with his defense and his batting. Um, But yeah, maybe I'll say that. Maybe I'll agree with you on that. So, you know, let's real quick go to the 2014 roster. And I mean, Let's be honest, the bulk of our roster this year is better than most of these guys. So Chris Iannetta at catcher, I'm taking a healthy Logan Ohapi right now over Chris Iannetta. I loved Chris Iannetta, big Chris Iannetta guy. But Logan Ohapi, a young, healthy Logan Ohapi, I'm still taking over Chris Iannetta. First base, I'll take the 2014 Albert Pujols over what we have at first base right now. Maybe when Walsh comes back, if he comes back healthy. Well, who do we have at first base right now? Gio Urshela, actually. That's a tough one. Gio Urshela is one of our hottest hitters right now. But remember, 2014, Albert Pujols hit 272. And he had an amazing percentage of 324. And the next year, he was an all-star. The only time an all-star is an angel. Yeah, which is crazy. So, yeah, I mean, either way, 2014, Albert Pujols and I think Gio Urshela crossed each other out. You know, either way, you can't go wrong. Um, But uh, Howie Kendrick at second base. He had a good year. Eric Ibar at shortstop. I like Eric Ibar, but I'm still taking Zach Neto right now over an Eric Ibar who at that age was, you know, approaching his, what, 36? His something like that. He was getting up there in his 30s. So I'm taking a young Zach Neto over Eric Ibar. I think Zach Neto has a lot of potential. David Freeze over at third base. I love David Freeze. He hit... He gave us a uh, game one lead against the Royals in the 2014 playoffs. Unfortunately, they couldn't hold on to it. I think Chris Iannetta also hit a home run in game one. I was there. Uh, Josh Hamilton. Uh, that was one of the only DC years we got out of him. We batted, uh, what was it, 263. So, hooray. Uh, <laughs> Mike Trout, obviously Mike Trout, still Mike Trout. Cole Calhoun in right field, that was one of his best years, batted 272. And CJ Crone. You know, the starting lineup, not bad in 2014. The biggest issue was the uh, the bench. Colin Cowgill, I'm sure a lot of Angels fans completely forgot that guy ever existed. Hank Conger, he was always a disappointment when he was drafted. Raul Abanez came over. Efren Navarro, he was one of my favorite players, but he wasn't very good. Grant Green, the guy who was drafted before Mike Trout. Uh, John McDonald, I make fun of him on the post-game show today. Uh, he batted a solid 171 through 91 plate appearances. So he was the he was the Komodo hat guy. He was the Brett Phillips on that team. <laughs> that was his role. He was just there for the vibes. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, who could ever forget J.B. Shuck? 
of course, Brennan Bosch, Ian Stewart, Gordon Beckham. I remember Gordon Beckham. He hung around for a little while. And then the starting rotation was kind of the biggest reason why the Angels had the success they did. Yet Garrett Richards, who established himself that year as a solid closer, or sorry, a solid pitcher, that year in 2015 were his best career years. The rest of them, he was hurt the bulk of the time. Tyler Skaggs, rest in peace. C.J. Wilson had an average year. Matt Shoemaker was obviously a Rookie of the Year candidate. Jared Weaver had a solid year. So, so there you have it. The 2014 roster was pretty good, but I don't think it was incredible. They won, they won what, 98, 99 games? They were a solid team, but compared to what we have this year, I mean, look at our current roster. Is, is our roster on paper right now not better than the 2014 roster, James? Man, I, what hurts is not having no hoppy, so you, you don't really know yeah. if he would perform better than Ionetta. Ionetta, to me, I just remember him. He would hit maybe, you know, two home runs a month or three home runs a month, and then that would be it honestly, but he threw some doubles in there. Only hit seven home runs that year. So maybe it was one home run a month like uh, Maldonado does for Houston now. But um, you can definitely see the star power is there more with this Angel, or 2014 Angels, maybe more than Otani and Trout. I mean, I don't think you consider Hunter Renfro a, a superstar, but Pujols and Hamilton, what he was supposed to be, and Trout. I remember actually that uh, the 2014 season. I think it was May 9th. I want to say around this around this time uh, in 2014. I remember CJ Crone ca being called up, and I was at his first game, and he went off. And it just seemed like the month of May was always his month, and then he would disappear the rest of the year. So that was unfortunate. Every time uh, CJ Crone is mentioned. Um, when you think about, excuse me, the starting rotation, I think you have more trust in Weaver, Wilson, and Richards uh, than you do, let's say, this year's roster because maybe you could trust Otani uh, and Sandoval. But with Tyler Anderson, he's not showing it. Suarez is bad, but then Detmer's is still young Griffin Canning he's just on his way back and still says is young and that's pretty much it when you think about it you know um Santiago was a veteran Skaggs was just coming up Shoemaker was he was he was okay uh when he was 16 and 4 I remember uh I he was an all-star but he should have been uh I think it was actually but uh, when you see these wins and loss records of this year of 2014, I don't think the Angels will ever have, you know, close to a 20 game winner ever again with this roster, at least with these players that are up here. So sorry, pitching is way better. And you look at the bullpen, too. And this is my mm -hmm. last point. Uh, you have a proven closer like Houston Street. I always liked watching him and uh, I knew I could count on him. So I really liked Houston Street. Uh, Frieri was there as well. Um, Rich Hill was a young, you know, pitcher. But um, 
he had a young Barogian, and then he's he just he was horrible after a while. Uh, but there were some good things about this 2014 team that you wish would come to this year's team, which is more veteran, uh, a more veteran presence. And, and I think Jared Weaver would be the one guy in the locker room that would stand up and say something. I don't think the Angels have that in this year's team, honestly. Uh, right. So I think this was the first year without Tori Hunter. I think this was the year or the year before he went to Detroit. So they lost a little bit of that clubhouse leadership, but they had it with Weaver. Um, but yeah, I, I would take the starting pitching for sure. Oh yeah. And the bullpen, I'm sorry. So Joe Smith, the lefty, he was awesome. Uh, Fernando Salas was awesome. You know, Morin and Jepson were young. That feels like someone from the roster in, in 2023. So I miss having a, a, a real experienced bullpen. Let's just say that Fernando. Yeah. The bullpen right now is definitely a feature that's lacking right now. I mean, uh, yeah, I, Fernando Salas had a great year that year, and I was not a Fernando Salas fan because I remember him in you know 2015 not doing as well, and then I think they brought him back on a minor league deal the next year. But, um, yeah, we don't have that lockdown closer right now. I thought we did with Estevez, but, you know, his very last start, he got lit up, and that's going to happen. I get it. But And I haven't lost faith in Estevez. I want to make that clear, too. But um, God, we we I, I just need him to be that guy. We all do. Um, that's, a, that's a that's a tough thing though because you know he I don't I don't think he was really um, dependent on like that in Colorado. Um, the pressure now of coming to the Angels and all the pressure there it just adds on to it. But uh, uh, yeah, hopefully he can be our closer. You know, he's, he's signed for another year, I believe. So um, we've seen when he's really confident, he's really throwing real good stuff. So you can tell after every save he has, he's telling Matt Thais, it's like, hey, I got this, I got this, I got that. You know, I'm here with the location. I, I got it. So uh, when he's confident, he's on. Let's just say that. Absolutely. Uh, well, I, that's what I've got. On uh on the roster differences, anything you want to oh. add? No, I, I again, I just want that damn bullpen. I I I want a chance to win every game. Um, the the thing I think we were all robbed of of maybe jo uh, Josh Hamilton that um will play out the rest of his career that he could have been really good. It's good memories. I. I should have wore my 2014 divisional shirt, but it, it's in the closet over there, and I haven't worn it in it seems like a year or so. But uh, it, it is demoralizing. Yeah, mine has a bleach way. stain. That does happen after a while. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just demoralizing that hey, that's the last time that the Angels have been to playoffs, and it just doesn't feel good, Fernando. So you wanted to go compare uh, Mike Sosha's. 2000 record and how he's doing compared to Phil Nevin's uh, record so far this season. Is that correct? Well, throughout, uh, so Phil Nevin has now managed 146 games total in his managerial career for uh, Major League Baseball. So he is currently 67 and 79. Now I'm aware that that's not still a full Major League season, but it gives us an idea. He's got a career winning percentage so far of 459. 
Now, Mike Sosha in his first season in the year 2000 was 82 and 80. So he did have a winning record. Now, his second year was a lot worse at 75 and 87. But <laughs> the reason why I really bring it up is because 2002 was obviously the shining star, the 99-win Angels that won the World Series. Now, what I alluded to on the post-game show is that I'm well aware that the players need to buy into a culture that the manager is trying to, you know, is trying to start. Now, the biggest issue with the Angels over the last couple of years has been the fact that they haven't been able to rely on a manager, right? They had Mike Sosha. After that, they had Brad Osmus for a season, fired him, brought Joe Madden on a three-year deal, fired him after two and a half years, hired uh, Phil Nevin in the interim, and then gave him a one-year contract. So the biggest issue is the simple fact that there is a lot of constant change. Now, what you need to do is you need to pick a manager, a good manager that you feel that, that you feel can lead the charge. Now, I understand that's easier said than done. But the biggest thing is once you find that manager, you got to give him the keys to the kingdom. I mean, what if after 2001, the Angels got frustrated with Mike Sosha and just fired him? I, I don't think that Phil Nevin's necessarily the answer. I hear a lot of people saying Benji Gill, and I'd like to see what Benji Gill could do. He had a lot of managerial experience down in, in uh, Tijuana. He managed the World Baseball Classic Mexico team pretty well. And that was a team that wasn't supposed to be very competitive, by the way. You know, they had a solid roster, but I mean, they almost took down what Japan, right? They beat yeah. the U.S. Not only did they beat the U.S., they embarrassed the U.S., who were obviously the better offensive team. So I, I'm not saying that that's the reason why Benji Gill should get hired, but Benji Gill should certainly get a look at the end of this season. The way we're playing right now with the mistakes that have been made, I don't see Phil Nevin coming back. Yeah, am I counting my chickens before they hatch? Sure. I'm not exactly saying I'm calling for Phil Nevin's head right now. He's not going to get fired before the All-Star break. Let's be honest. And he's probably not going to get fired during the season. It's on a one-year deal. Why would you fire somebody in the middle of a season on a one-year deal? It's stupid. You know, you got it. What if Buck Showalter gets fired? I know a lot of people are like, oh, I've always liked Buck Showalter. That's just a name I'm throwing out there. What if for some reason Dusty Baker gets fired? You know, I know Tom likes Dusty Baker. Let's bring Dusty Baker. Point is, Phil Nevin's going to finish this year. One of two things is going to happen. I, I, I promise you this. The Angels are going to either make the playoffs or they're not going to make the playoffs. If the Angels make the playoffs, Phil Nevin's not going anywhere. That's the fact. They're not going to fire him if we make the playoffs. All will be forgiven. Who cares about the slow start? Who cares about the errors? Who cares about, uh, you know, those base running mistakes? We don't care. We made the playoffs. And honestly, that's how we're going to feel as fans. If we make the playoffs, we're all going to eat crow, and I'm going to be super happy that we finally made the playoffs. And Phil Nevin's probably going to be here for the next five years at least. <laughs> Maybe three years. I'd say three years. But... The problem with the Angels has been their lack of the ability to create a winning culture. And I think it starts with the front office. I mean, we fired the medical staff. We've revamped the coaching staff multiple times. We've revamped the roster. We've got new general managers. And notice that nothing much changes. 
And I think it starts with the top. Halos in the infield. We'll be right back after these messages. Make sure you check out our sponsor over at 714 Tickets. They take pride in providing their customers with transparent pricing and excellent service. With 714 Tickets, you don't have to worry about hidden fees or surprises at checkout. The price you see is the price you pay. Plus, our team is dedicated to ensuring that you have the best shopping experience possible. And as a special thank you, we're offering a 10% discount on your purchase as well as entering you in a drawing for a free Halos jersey. Also, 5% cash back on your purchase. Only when you use the promotional code HITI at checkout. That's H-I-T-I HITI. Get ready to shop with confidence and discover great deals today over at 714 Tickets. And it trickles its way down. We have all been Artie Moreno haters, if you will. And the reason for that is just because the guy's a bad person, right? Countless, countless things. We can go down the list. Yeah. Was it because he hired Dick Pick Mick, which was apparently the worst kept secret in baseball that this man was sending no 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 only fan photos to women for solicit for uh information about inside news with the Mets? Apparently, that was the worst kept secret in baseball. Uh, even when he was with Cleveland, that this guy is sending no-no pickies. But anyway, we hired him anyway, and then we had to fire him midway through. The fa- the whole pandemic thing, the whole minor league thing, the list goes on and on. The Tyler Skaggs and the way the organization, and specifically Artem Reynolds, handled it. The fact that he tried making an under-the-counter deal with the city of Anaheim. The list goes on and on. Artem Reynolds is a bad person. It really does start at the top and work its way down, James. That that's what I was gonna mention. You know, when when this came out, is like, and I always uh, ask people, or they ask me, excuse me, they're like, how are they how why are the Angels so bad and why haven't they done well? It just starts from the top, honestly. Uh getting to your managerial uh, part here. There's been yeah, you mentioned so much change and throughout the organization. The one thing that stayed the same, the farm system really hasn't, well, it's gotten a little better the last, what, four years or so, but before that, it was really bad. Before that, it was really good, like we were talking about earlier, and yeah, I don't, I think Nevin, this is just a one-stop shop for him, one-shop stop for him, so um and the thing is, I, I know a lot of people were reacting to the way that Nevins handled the bullpen the last couple of nights and what whatnot. <clears throat> Excuse me, you can't you can't fire someone just off of you know two nights. It has to be a list, a string of things. You know, like with Madden, it was a losing streak, right? Yeah. So a historic losing streak at that. Yeah, I remember all of that. Um, <laughs> Um, <laughs> uh, so I, you can't do that. Like you said, you can't do it, you know, all-star break, can't do that. And, and I want to even do it, you know, August and September. You know, I know Benji Gill would probably want a shot at it and he might fire up the guys, but there's no guarantee that the season will go well enough, um, that the team will do well, Tony will stay. There's none of that. It just all depends on how you do now. Um, Phil Deffen definitely isn't the guy going forward. I never thought he was. And I'm not saying this just because of how the team's performing now. I'm just saying this because he was only intern last year. 
And I guess Mike Trout vouched for him, the players vouched for him, whatever the case was. That's great and all, but you have to win. And if he's not making an impact in the locker room, in the clubhouse, out on the field, if he's not encouraging people to do their best and whatnot, it just sounds so little league. But when you think about it, I, I do hear him from the dugout, when, especially on the radio. You know, he'll call out the players, let's go, whatever, Shohei, Trout, what it, Mike, or whatever. And that's great and dandy, but it's like the performance has to be there. Um, so, I, I yeah, I, if, even if the Angels, to me, even if they have a winning record but don't make the playoffs, I can't see Phil Nevin coming back. Um, I've always wanted Ron Washington. I always thought, uh, you know, Perry Manazin was in the Atlanta system for a while and run Washington has been there. He's been, you know, he was what the Oakland third base coach for years was the James, Texas he's been manager. everywhere. Yeah. Texas <laughs> manager went to a couple world series, had some great ball clubs with Texas. As we know, we faced him and we lost him so much during the 2010s, <laughs> except uh, 2014. Uh, but, you know, they got us in 15 and every other year. Remember, they were coming actually in 2009. Uh, we just won the division in 09. But Texas was right on our, our backs there. I think like five, six games back, honestly, when the season ended. So you could see Ron Washington and the and Rangers were building up something. And that's what I would really want. I think Ron Washington would hold people accountable. He would teach the fundamentals, which we don't see with the Angels like we were talking about earlier. Um, you see him working with all of the Braves players, like on even Ozzy Abis, who is awesome in his position in the infield. He works daily with him, going through the drills. Uh, he worked with Pete Alonso at the All-Star game. And uh, I, I thought that was amazing because Atlanta is a divisional rival with the Mets, but he was working on him how to play first base. Imagine the little things like that the little fundamental things that you could teach someone. And then you won't have these errors like you do uh, this season. Now it's different with Rendon because he's just going to be Rendon. He's going to be lackadaisical. That's just him. Uh, but maybe everybody else can set an example of like, Hey, this is how we do things. And it all starts with Ron Washington and his hands-on approach. So I mentioned it last year when Madden was fired. I said, cool. Um, have Nevin just for last, just for last season, the rest of the last season, and then get someone new for 2023. And they didn't. And I was kind of shocked because I didn't want Phil back. I thought, you know, even though he's a third base coach, you know, with the Yankees, uh, he had his mishaps sending people at the wrong time. We certainly saw that in this series. Um, but, uh, those little things I remember with Phil Nevin that made me believe he would not be a sustainable manager, you know, for the years coming. So if there was a manager I wanted, I would say Ron Washington. I don't know if he would want to, though, because remember of the downfalls he had with Texas, being one strike away or one out away in 2011, uh, getting back against the uh, Giants and losing. So I, I don't know if he wants to manage again, but if he does – uh, for me, that's the first person I'm calling to be the new Angels manager. Yeah, they'll have to install oxygen tanks. The guy's like 106 years old, but I mean, he's definitely a great baby. 
I want to win. <laughs> no, I, I and I'm right there with you, man. And the unfortunate thing is that we're talking about a series here that wasn't played well. It <clears> wasn't managed well. It wasn't coached well on the base paths. You know, it wasn't like the offense didn't score. You know, I, the offense scored a good enough amount of runs in all three games where they should have been competing for a win. It was bad mistakes by the pitching. It was pitching to the wrong guys. Look, at one of the, the last game, one of the things that we didn't talk about was the fact that they intentionally walked to get to Josh Naylor to yeah. then make a pitching change to a righty. What? <laughs> Why I, would you I, intentionally I ran... walk? Who was it? Jose Ramirez, who's a righty, Yeah. to face the lefty when Patrick Sandoval was on the butt. Okay, I get it because you want a lefty lefty matchup with Naylor and uh and Sandoval. And Naylor's historically not been good against lefties. Uh I know we said that against with the whole Matt Moore thing, and Matt Moore gave up a home run. So I understand that it doesn't always work out, but once again, these are major league hitters. Sometimes they are going to beat you. That's just the way the game works. But you gotta give yourself the best opportunity. I I, I think Sandoval was about 98 pitches. But you yeah. at least got to let him finish off against Naylor if you're going to intentionally walk Ramirez to get to Naylor to have a lefty-lefty matchup. Stupid decision. Those are the decisions that get you fired, James. It is those yeah. decisions. I'm sure there is an analytical playbook. But something tells me the analytics wouldn't say, hey, we want a righty versus lefty matchup against Josh Naylor, who's a good fastball hitter and is pretty decent against righties, but sucks against lefties. That doesn't make sense to me. That's a head scratcher. Maybe that's the move Rod Washington doesn't make. But there's only one way to find out. Either way, Phil Nevin, if we make the playoffs, is probably going to stick around. If we don't, no way in hell he's sticking around. So this is one that we can probably talk all about, and we'll probably continue to talk all about it. But that's what I've got to say. Yeah, and and to close that out, I I just remember once that move was made, and then you're pitching a nailer, and he hit the home run. I just started to run as fast as I could on the trail. I was so pissed, and I didn't want to yell out <laughs> of just out of sheer like, you know, awkwardness. But I did it with my legs. I was so pissed because I'm like. Dude, Naylor's killed you the, you know, Friday night. He's a power for, force, and now you're 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 pitching to him in that way. It's just awful. But man, hopefully, yeah, I'm not gonna be a honk. Uh, man, I said hopefully, man, maybe we get two out of four. But uh, it's oh, not show me your honks, James. Show me your honk. I don't have one. Um, yeah, hopefully, get one out of four, but. Like I said, a sweep. So, again, everybody go 714 tickets for all the ticket needs, concerts. You know, I got to go see Beyonce and Madonna and, you know, whomever else. James um, loves Madonna and Beyonce. Hey, I right. used it for WWE tickets, so. That's right, you did. You had a great view of everything, too, from what I saw. Yeah, great. I was only like 80 feet away from the ring, so that was pretty good. That's right. Um, so again, happy Mother's Day to everybody out there as we're recording this. Uh, go to seven one four tickets. You know, take your mother out to a concert. I saw that um, real one day about Foo Fighters and this uh, mom being taken out by her son. So I think that'd be an awesome thing. You know, next for her birthday or something. Or if she's an Angel fan, God bless her. Um, she's probably been through yeah. a lot like us. 
Um, <laughs> Poor soul. Get the best deals right across the street from the Honda Center. No, no gimmicks, no surprises, no stuff at the checkout. Put in that code HEATY for 10% off. And uh, do we want to shout out our new sponsor, the Noble L Works, the brewery uh, right across the street from the uh, – on Catella, I should say, right off Catella. I, I can't wait to try some of their stuff and possibly do some food reviews. So shout out to our new sponsor, Noble L Works, and we'll have some heaty nights there, you know, pregame shows, giveaways, whatever the case may be. I'm excited for the future for this channel, and and uh, I, I intend to stick uh, here for a while. James, are, do you want to try the uh, Cinnamon Toast Crunch IPA with me? Yes. I, I was going to mention that, but I was like, yeah. <laughs> I don't mention it. But yeah, Cinnamon Roast Crunch, okay. um, that's going to be awesome. All right. Well, I, I think I think the plan is after the game when I when I fly out there on May twenty eighth that we're gonna go after the game. So awesome. maybe we'll see some of our listeners there. Uh, you'll we'll we'll be in contact about all that. I know we want a, a lot of our fans to come out for an unofficial Halos in the infield meetup that day. You know, I'm flying out there, so I want to see all of you guys there. I'm super excited to see James and the rest of the crew. Uh, brother, thanks for coming on and filling in for everyone else today. Uh, I, I hope uh, you had a good day. I hope you had a good Mother's Day. Uh, I hope all is well with the family. And uh, can't wait to see you at the Big A on May 28th. Likewise, Fernando. Everyone take care. Thank you for having me on tonight. Have a great day, everybody. Viva Los Angelitos. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Halos in the Infield. Make sure to follow us on all of our social media platforms. Make sure to give us a five-star review wherever you found this podcast. And head on over to our YouTube, like, and subscribe. Thank you so much to our sponsors. Make sure to check them out. Have a great rest of your day.